Hello, and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult, the podcast where I review movies from my childhood from an adult perspective. And this week, I'll be reviewing 1990s Home Alone. Hi guys, and welcome to the show. Today, I'm going to re- be reviewing Home Alone, 1990. But right now, let's talk about Hawkeye. I'm I'm in the midst of watching Hawkeye. I watched the first three episodes. They they released the first two episodes on uh, the, the night before Thanksgiving. Actually, they, I watched them on Thanksgiving. I thought they were pretty good. You know, a little slow. They're a little slow. You know, but you could that could be expected. That could be expected because you're 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 establishing stuff. You know. You're not gonna get into the action right away. You gotta you gotta establish characters. There's a lot of characters here that you've never seen before. You know, uh we got uh we got Kate Bishop, which is a new cat, which is a newer character. You know, we got uh they established her mom, they establish uh the uh we know this guy's the villain. Let's just say it. I'm just gonna say it, because I know this guy from the comics. <laughs> And he's a fucking villain, Jack Duquesne. Jack Duquesne is a is a is a villain. He's dating Kate Bishop's mom, and trying to he's trying to act like he's not a villain, but we know he's a fucking villain. If you read comic books, you know that guy's a fucking villain. You know that Jack Duquesne is a is a, is a, is a, is a, is a is a grimy motherfucker. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> he goes by the name the Swordsman in the comics. Um. But yeah, but um, but so far, like I said, digging it. They 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 trying to reestablish Hawkeye. My favorite part, <laughs> my favorite part of that first episode is that Rogers musical, man. And like, I love that part. They 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 actually they actually spend some time on that, and it's actually pretty fucking funny. It's actually pretty funny. Uh, it's kind of. This is what I thought about this scene. It was kind of, it was funny, and then kind of it's a PTSD trip for Clint Clint Barton because he he was there, he saw this shit happen, and then you got like got like people up on stage playing people that he, like friends of his that died. Like you got a guy up there playing Tony Stark, you got a guy up there playing uh, Natasha Romanoff. You know, so like it's kind of bringing back like PTSD. He was like, I, I watched both these guys, I watched both these people die. You know, <laughs> like I watched both these people die. Both these people sacrificed and risked their lives to save uh, the world from Thanos, and 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 they made a musical out of it. And I don't think this shit's fucking funny. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but that's how he feels. But um. Like I said, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember all this shit off the off the top of my head, really. <laughs> but like I said, Kate Bish- Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop is incredible. I love her. I love her as Kate Bishop. She's a Kate Bishop. She's a perfect Kate Bishop. Uh, Vera Farmiga does a good job as her mom so far. She's in episode one and episode two. She's not in episode three. Um, um Jeremy Renner, good as always. Uh, Episode three is when this when this uh, show really picks up because that's when they introduce Echo. 
uh, Echo is a uh, character from the uh, Daredevil comic. Uh, she is the adopted daughter of the Kingpin. Uh, her father dies, and the Kingpin adopts her, and she he lies to her and tells her that uh, Daredevil killed her father. And she starts the uh, she starts like hunting Daredevil, but then she learns the truth and turns on Kingpin and becomes a hero. So, um, so they they're kind of they're kind of the third episode kind of establishes her, but it's got a lot of good. But that episode's got a lot of good fucking action in it. Uh, Echo's a fucking badass man. <laughs> they made her a badass, and all I could say is, how come DC couldn't do this with Cassandra Kane? That's all I kept saying. That's all I kept saying is like, why couldn't DC do this with Cassandra Kane in the Birds of Prey movie? You know, I was like, because Echo is pretty much everything that Cassandra Kane is in DC in the DC comics. Uh, Cassandra Kane is the what is she like? The second Batgirl? I believe she's the second Batgirl after Barbara Gordon. Uh, she's like this Asian girl. I think her dad, I'm trying to remember her origin story. She's like a character that debuted in like the late nineties. I think she, I want to say she debuted in like 1998 in a Batman, uh, in a Batman issue. It's like, she debuted like issue like 525 or some shit. I think <laughs> Batman 525 or something like that. She, she, she debuted like, I want to say in like the five hundreds, but of the, of his, of his comic, but she was a character that uh, she was a character that was mute, and her dad. I think believe her dad worked for the mob, and he, he died. He got murdered, I believe, and then uh, she she became she, she became Batgirl, and Batman's like, ah shit, I guess you got to be in the Bat family now, whatever the fuck. But she's a fucking badass, man. Cassandra Cain is fucking awesome in the comics, and then when they do her. In birds in the Birds of Prey movie, they made her like this little. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to fat shame or anything, but like they made her this little chubby Asian girl that can talk and is not a badass. It was like, why would you do that, DC? Why would you fuck up a pretty good fucking character? I mean, like Marvel showing you how to do it right. This is how you do it. They're showing you how to do it with Echo. Echo should have been what uh, Cassandra Kane was in Birds of Prey. That's that's. If you want a template, if you've never heard of that character before you even saw that movie, if you want a template of what Cassandra Kane really is in 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 the Batman uh, universe, in the DC universe, look at Echo. Echo is what Cassandra Kane is in DC. That's all I got to say about that. But yeah, man, she's a fucking badass, man. Echo is she's out here just kicking ass, man. Um, the girl that got her, she's the girl that they got playing her. I think her name is Elkia Cox or something. Uh, she is, she's, she's fantastic. She really, she really is a, a, a mute person. Uh, she is, she is, she's also, she's also only, she's also an amputee. She's an amputee. She's just phenomenal as this character. Like she doesn't say, she doesn't say a word, but just her facial expressions and everything are just phenomenal. She's great in this role. Uh, yeah, man. Like I'm in. Like I said, I'm enjoying this show, man. I'm. I can't wait for episode four. What they're gonna do? It kind of left us on a cliffhanger at the end of episode. At the end of episode three. So, looking forward to that. Um, 
Yeah, man, I can't, I can't say any more good things about this show, man. It's it's a it's a fucking good show, man. I love I love how I love how diehard it is. Like it's got it's got a it's got a bit a little bit of like those old '80s like John McTiernan, like Shane Black written uh, uh, action movies from the '80s. It's got a little bit of that in there, like Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and like RoboCop and all those all those movies. It's got a little bit. It's got a little bit of that in this show and I love it I love how practical the show is I, I find that I, I, I find that fascinating but yeah that's it that's all I got to say about it um I like it join me when I come back I'm sorry <laughs> when I come back I'll be back reviewing Home Alone after these messages Alright guys, welcome back to the show. Home Alone from 1990. Let's talk about how I saw this as a, as, as a child. I saw this on a VHS tape actually. And of course, it was one of my favorite movies as a kid. But I remember, I actually remember being excited for this movie when it came out in the theaters. But my parents didn't take me to go see it. Uh, I don't know why they didn't take me to go see it. But and I had to be I think I just turned five I think I just turned five years old and I was like I was just I was like excited to go see this movie but like I never saw it so like they bought it for me like the next year on like VHS tape and I just I wore that tape the fuck out man <laughs> you know like I wore it out man but yeah man like it's it's it was it was a favorite of mine as a kid I was like i I like I, I I fucked with Home Alone heavy as a kid. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, let's get into the technical. Uh, this movie was directed by Chris Columbus. The screenplay was written by the late great John Hughes. Uh, this was kind of the tail end of his reign as a hit maker. Like that he ruled the fucking 80s, man. Everything that came out in every like comedy that came out in the fucking 80s mostly was John Hughes. Like 16 Candles and. Uh, I think he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He did uh, 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 the Breakfast Club. You know, like all those movies, all those movies. Uh, John Hughes did. Like I think he did. Did he do Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Did he do that? I think he did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He did Uncle Buck? You know, it was a lot of a lot of movies. He did Weird Science. Weird Science is one of my favorite movies. I love I love the fucking Weird Science. Uh, that's a movie that's that's a movie that's coming down the pike that I'm gonna that I'm gonna be reviewing. I'm 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 definitely gonna be reviewing Weird Science. I love that movie as a kid. Uh, but yeah, man, this is kind of like the tail end of him. It's like he still made movies. He still made movies and wrote movies after Home Alone, but it's like it was it wasn't up to par to what the shit he was doing in the '80s, man. Like. Like, Home Alone was kind of, like, his final stand, man. Like, he did movies, and then he kind of just faded into the background, and then, like, he passed away. You know, you know like, that's kind of, that's kind of, that was kind of, like, the rest of John Hughes' life. You know, like, he did these movies, and they were, like, they were okay. You know, but, you know, like, it wasn't, with, like, the shit he did in the 80s, you know. But, yeah. But this movie had a budget of $18 million, and it brought in a... 
it brought in uh 476.7 million dollars at the box office that's all that's a lot of that's a lot of money <laughs> i remember when um movies like because home alone is a untested property it's untested nobody they're like this is this is a, a original idea nobody this isn't this doesn't come from anything else so back in the day you could have an original property and it make that much money you can't really do that today you can't really do that today uh, like you might like you might get lucky and you're like, oh man, this movie, this movie made a lot of money. And then they're gonna start making fucking sequels of it. You know, <laughs> this is what they're gonna be doing. They're like, oh, let's make, let's make more of this. But yeah, man, for 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 untested property, it did pretty well at the box office. This movie has a Rotten Tomato score of sixty six percent, which actually shocked me because like this movie became such a classic, and so like it was really shocking that it only had a sixty six percent. Uh, fun casting news. Fun casting facts from this movie. Uh, comedian John Mulaney actually auditioned for Kevin McAllister before the role went to Macaulay Culkin. So John Mulaney, who I, th- I believe he's a Chicago native. He's a Chicago native because I was thinking about that. I was like, because he had to be, what? I hope John Mulaney been in uh, 1990. He was like eight. Probably eight years old, because I think Macaulay Culkin was eight when he uh, got the role. So they're looking for an eight-year-old boy. John Mulaney had to be about like eight years old, because I, I don't, because I want to say that John Mulaney's like a couple years older than me. If I was five in 1990, he had to be about like seven or eight in 1990. So, <laughs> so yeah, he auditioned for the role, but the role went to Macaulay Culkin. Robert De Niro and John Lovitz were both up for the role of Harry before turning it down, and Joe, Joe Pesci was uh, cast in the role. This is this is this is a this is a bit of casting fact, fact, fun facts that actually fascinated me right here. I was like, wow, this is crazy right here. Uh, Daniel Stern was cast as Marv. He was always the first choice for Marv. But he dropped out when he learned that he wouldn't be paid for the amount of weeks he had to work. So they recast the character. They cast Daniel Roebuck to replace him. But his chemistry with Joe Pesci was lacking. So somehow they got Daniel Stern to return to the project. I don't know. I guess they paid him. I guess they paid him his money. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's how that happened. Uh, but now let's, let me get into my thoughts about this movie. Let's get into my thoughts about this movie. First of all, let me say, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record. I'm gonna go on the record saying this. Macaulay Culkin is the greatest child actor of all time. I'm just gonna say it. He is the greatest child actor of all time. Because like he just has so much natural charisma at a young age. Like you, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't phone that in. He just had this natural charisma at such a young age. Like I said, he's probably like, he had to be like eight years old. You know, like an eight year old having that much natural charisma is just unheard of. You know, and 
I say he's the greatest uh, child star of all time because he became an archetype for like 90s child actors. Like just this like smart alecky, just this like smart alecky, charismatic, good looking kid with an edge. Like every every child actor tried to duplicate that when they in the in the nineties. They like studios. Studios were looking for Macaulay Culkin type. Every other child actor that came after Macaulay Culkin in the nineties were they were mimicking Macaulay Culkin. From Jonathan Taylor Thomas to George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt to those three ninja kids to even like early Leonardo DiCaprio. Like all of that came from Macaulay Culkin. All of that came from Macaulay Culkin. All those kids, uh, that kid from uh, Rookie of the Year, that's a movie I'm probably, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be reviewing later on. That kid, that kid, like all the, every like little boy from the 90s was trying to be Macaulay Culkin. You know, I know you guys are like, well, DiCaprio, like DiCaprio eventually broke out of that. You know, DiCaprio eventually broke out of that. You got Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt went on to become like a huge, huge name, huge actor. You know, because like those guys started to become, those guys started to, to, to change and grow up, you know, but when those guys, when those kids first got in 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 acting, they were being Macaulay Culkin. They were doing that. Like he was the standard for child actors in the '90s. So like, I give all the props, I give all the flowers to fucking Macaulay Culkin because like this dude impacted an entire fucking genre. <laughs> he, he impacted an entire fucking genre in the '90s. Every child actor wanted to be Macaulay Culkin. And that's what all the studios wanted. They wanted a Macaulay Culkin type. So like all praises to Macaulay Culkin, man. Like the dude changed the game. He's he he's a fucking legend. I'm gonna say it. Like Macaulay Culkin's a fucking legend. <laughs> and if you don't think he's a legend if you don't think he's a legend, you're fooling yourself, man. Like he's like, oh he all he did was kid movies. I'm like, dude was fucking good at it too. He was really fucking good at it. At a young age. It was like you 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 can't you can't you can't make this shit up, man. You can't you can't like bottle what McCullough Culkin had in fucking charisma and give it to other kids, man. You know, like just he was really fucking good. Like and people underestimate because like he acts now every once in a while, you know. He, like he, as an adult, his 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 acting record's been a little flimsy. His filmography's a little flimsy, you know. Like he just does what the fuck he wants to do. But it, dude, like dude was fucking phenomenal. He was a phenomenal fucking child actor, and people need to re- a lot of people need to fucking respect that. They need to put some respect on Macaulay Culkin's name. That's all I got to say about that. Let's talk about this movie now. Uh. Let's talk about Kevin. Kevin McAllister. Good God. Good, good God. This kid. Kevin's a little fucking brat. <laughs> Kevin's a brat and he needs his ass whooped. First of all. First of all, like, he, he needs his ass whooped. He's he's just disrespectful to his parents. Like, call his mom a dummy. Dude, I'm like, I heard that shit. <laughs> I heard him say that. 
when like his mom grabbed him and she said, she's like, go upstairs. He's like, I am upstairs, dummy. I was like, dude, bruh, if I ever were to say that to my mom, I wouldn't have a face. If I was to, if I was to call my mom a dummy, like I wouldn't have a head. My head would be gone. She would, she would smack it off my fucking shoulders. If I ever called her a fucking dummy. If I ever called her a dummy. Like I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be listening to me right now. <laughs> you wouldn't be listening to me right now. If I called my mom a dummy. You know like. like honestly. I would have left his little ass on purpose. Honestly. you know, <laughs> I would have left. Kevin's ass. On purpose. I probably would have left him in the fucking airport. Honestly, he's so funny. Like, he's a disrespectful, whiny little kid. He really is. He really is. He's entitled. Like, bitching about cheese pizza. Where's my pizza? I need pizza. You know, like, he would have he would have got left in the airport. I would, I would, we just would have left him. <laughs> that's, that's where he would have been. <laughs> but I understand... I understand how they could lose a kid. Like, the, McC- the McAllisters are a big fucking family, man. It's, they got a lot of fucking kids. <laughs> they got a lot of fucking kids, man. Uh, Kevin's dad. Let's talk about Kevin's dad, man. Kevin's dad doesn't have a backbone. Like, he just... He just lets everybody fucking walk all over him. You know? Like, every... Like, I was just like, you are, you are fucking bitch man (laughs) Kevin's dad is a bitch man he's he's just so he's what's what's that word what's that word that they say henpecked he's very henpecked very henpecked Uh, honestly I don't even know Kevin's dad has a job because I just saw I saw Kevin's mom pulling out money and paying for everything (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like every time every time money's coming out of her pocket Money's coming out of her wallet. I was like, does Kevin's dad even do anything? Maybe that's why he's such a bitch because his because his wife runs everything. You know, <laughs> and like I still don't know, and I still don't know how they're able to afford fifteen people going to Paris. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you could afford for fifteen people to go to because like like that's how it was. It was fifteen people. I think they said it in the movie. I think it said it in the movie. It was like 15 because like there's like the, the head count uh scene in the movie. I think there's there was like 15 people. I told you the McAllisters are a big fucking family. And 50, how do you afford 15 people going to Paris? I don't understand that. Uh I love Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank's an asshole. <laughs> I love Uncle Frank's wife even more. I love her facial expressions whenever he would say something stupid. He just say just the dumbest, he just say the dumbest, rudest shit. And she'd just be looking at him like, come on, man. <laughs> she like, did you really, did you really have to say that? Really? And like, she'd just be looking at him like, yeah, I married him. <laughs> That's how she would look at him. I married this asshole. But yeah, man. They realized they left the kid at home, and they call CPS. Not CPS. They, they call CPS. <laughs> they call. <laughs> I mean, they call the police. 
<laughs> they call the police. I'm sorry. They call the police and tell them to go check on the house. Uh, well, I was thinking about CPS because I'm surprised that they didn't get CPS called on them because this makes them kind of irresponsible parents. They left their kid at home and they're going on a trip. You know, but they're rich, so I'm actually not surprised that they didn't get the cops called on them. Let's talk about the Wet Bandits. Let's talk about the Wet Bandits, played by Joe Pesci and Dan- Daniel Stern. Uh, the Wet Bandits, uh, they're actually kind of menacing at first. They're kind of scary villains at first. And then they start to devolve into, like, these bumbling idiots as the movie goes along. That's... They they start to devolve it uh, after that. Fun fact, um, another fun fact: Joe Pesci was filming this movie and Goodfellas at the same time, and sometimes he would get confused on what set he was on, and he would accidentally curse on set, and that's why he kind of had to make up like his own. Um, he kind of had to make up like his own like cursing, <laughs> where like he. Cause like in the movie he's like just fat a fresh suffering succotash. He's like that's how he would stop from cursing on set and cursing in the movie. You know that's how he would do it. Uh, there's a random John Candy appearance. He shows up towards the end of the movie. I'm just gonna say it. Like I've never been a big John Candy fan. I didn't understand his appeal. I was like, I've always thought he was just this, like, subpar comedian. You know, like, he'd be in these movies and, like, I just, he just never, he just never clicked to me. Like, he was never, like, he wasn't like a Bill Murray or a Dan Aykroyd. You know, I'm like, ah, those guys are funny. You know, like, he was never like those guys to me. Uh, I think the funniest he's ever been was like Spaceballs. Spaceballs, when he played Barf, you know, like, that, that's the only character I like that he ever played was uh, Barf from Spaceballs. Other than that, I'm not not really a big John Candy fan. Before, before I move on, I wanted to talk about Catherine O'Hara. Uh, Catherine O'Hara is great as the mom. Like, she just has, like, this, like, standout charisma to her that that just can't be ignored, you know? Like, she, she just stood out, man. Like, she... I like, but I've always enjoyed her work. I've always, I've always been a fan of Catherine O'Hara's work. Every time I see her in something, I was like, "This is gonna be good," you know. <laughs> I'm like, "This is gonna be good" because she's actually pretty fucking funny. She's actually pretty funny. Um, the middle part of this movie kind of drags a bit. Uh, it's like they were like killing time until the main reason we came to see this movie. <laughs> You know, because like we get the in the middle, like we get the backstory of the the, the shovel man Marley is his name, old man Marley. Uh, we get a backstory on him, and I'm like, uh, okay. You know, <laughs> I really, I really, really didn't care about his backstory. I mean, like he 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 portrayed the character well. He portrayed the character well. Like he was kind of terrifying, but then when you get to know him, he's this sweet old man. You know, because like. There was like rumors about him that he was a fucking serial killer or something like that, but he's not. <laughs> you just find out like he's just this sweet old man. But yeah, like didn't really care about it. Didn't really care about it. We get to the 
fucking uh, home invasion scene. And my God, like, this shit turns into fucking first blood <laughs> at the end. Like, Kevin McAllister is a sick fuck, man. Like, he... Like, he really wanted to maim and kill those robbers, man. He really wanted to, like, fucking end their life, man. He wanted to end these guys' lives, man. Like, in all honesty, those guys should be dead, man. I saw, I actually saw a um, a video on that. I think they were talking to a doctor. They were talking to a doctor on, like, some 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 YouTube channel. It was like a, like, when they, they would talk about, uh, like, shit that they that people do in movies that you can't do in real life or something like that it was like if you did this in real life you would die and they did one on home alone they were talking about everything that happened to harry and marv (laughs) that would kill them and i was like yeah i was looking at that shit like yeah yeah they they should be dead right now they they shouldn't be alive they shouldn't just be carted off in a goddamn back of a police car you know that that shouldn't happen as in that, they should be dead. But overall, I had fun with this movie. Like, like I said, the middle drags a little bit, but other than that, it still holds up as a Christmas cl- classic. I had fun with it. I give it a four out of five. Join me next week when I'll be reviewing 1983's Trading Places. Until then, peace. <laughs>